Hey, what's up, guys? This is Co, and you are listening to the Flippin' Flippers podcast. Uh, you hear uh, Coast to Coast Guitar Podcast, where we talk about flipping gear so that you can get the gear of your dreams and dadding and all that fun stuff. This week is a little bit different. Uh, normally, Paul would say all that, and I would be here waiting in the wings, but today I said it because I have Hank Donovan from Rattlesnake Cables on the line with me via phone. How you doing, Hank? I'm doing great. How you doing? I am doing well. Um, the I don't know about where you're at, but it is sweltering hot where I am today. Mm. Uh, I mean, I'm spoiled, but I feel like it's <laughs> sweltering hot where I am. And um, yeah, but I mean, you guys are probably in the throes of summer, right? Yeah, it's uh, this time of year in Montana is actually like one of the best times. It's like right before the places on fire so you know you're you're hitting the 80s 90s but it's not quite forest fire season yet so it's not smoky nice. um, but that could change on a dime around here so yeah yeah well i i am in southern california um which you know we are also right smack in the double, middle of our fire season so yep. um yeah i get that 80s 90s <laughs> and uh just waiting for somebody to throw a cigarette out their window on the freeway yeah so exactly <laughs> Cool. Well, thanks for coming on, man. We're just going to kind of uh, run through some stuff. And um, I don't know. I guess we'll just give me a quick rundown on Rattlesnake Cables, and then we'll talk about stuff, and then we'll go back to the cables. Uh, sound good? Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. So what cool. is Rattlesnake Cables? Well, it's a, it's a cable company. I started a few years ago, and we're based out of uh, Missoula, Montana. We make uh, high-end instrument cables. Uh have our cable milled here in the U.S. and hand assembled up here with uh, our uh, crack team of solder dudes. And uh, yeah, we, we ship all around the world and just try to do the best we can about getting the high quality cable out to musicians. Right on. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I've been following your stuff for a long time. And like I mentioned before we started recording, um, I, I became aware of you and your stuff because I won a giveaway contest that you did. So nice. um, super grateful and appreciative for that. It was actually, I called it the year of co. Like if you go back on Instagram <laughs> and you search hashtag year of co, you can see all the stuff I won in like a year's time uh, because nice. I entered everything. And now my, uh, my inbox on my email uh, proves it every day. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, so you did good that year, though. You won a few things, and you said you you won something from from us, and yeah, you won some other 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 prizes as well. Oh yeah, a handful of pedals. Um, I, I actually I won a guitar that year as well. So oh, man. yeah, it was it was a good year. It was year of yeah. Um, man, and it hasn't been duplicated since. No matter how hard I try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So geographically, where's Missoula in Montana? Because I'm kind of familiar with it. I, my family used to go to that part of the country when I was a kid. Um, but I, I don't, I mean, I kind of, I'm more familiar with Wyoming and Idaho. Yep. So, so you know, it's like Montana is the fourth largest state in the U.S. It's, it covers a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you have, you know, a lot of uh, stylistically different terrain. You have, you know, the, the, the flatlands and the mountainous regions. So we're definitely on the western side. Of the Rockies, so we're in the mountains. We're very close to the Idaho border, okay. uh, so we're right on I-90. So if you're driving, you know, from like, you know, from Bozeman and Billings going up I-90, you'd go right through Missoula on the way to like Seattle or Spokane. Okay. So you definitely probably dr drove right through our town or right right outside of it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's awesome. I absolutely love it here. And it's a it's a good sized town, right? Missoula. Yeah, it's a college town. So Bozeman and Missoula are the two colleges, University of Montana and Montana State. Mm -hmm. um, Missoula's University of Montana. So, I mean, when you say good-sized town, I mean, you know, the entire state's population is a million. So, okay. you know, we're, we're talking like 90,000 people probably in Missoula, like in the, the surrounding area. So, yeah. you know, in, in your world, it's probably just, you know, tiny, tiny. But, you know, well, it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a top five population city in missoula or in montana yeah well i i, I frequently uh think about uh 
moving out of Southern California, and Montana is one of the places on my list that I usually look at. Um, my <laughs> my father in law actually lives in uh, Montana City, and oh, right was on. in Helena before that. So cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It seems like a yeah. good part of the world to live. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great. Um, the snow, sure. though, I am not a snow person, and that's really the only thing holding me back. I think. Yeah. It's it's rough. <laughs> I mean, not not only the snow, it's just the grayness of it, you know. So wintertime, you, you really feel it. It's just dark and gloomy, even though it might not be snowy. But that's one thing I really do enjoy about the state is it, it, the seasons are clearly obvious. You clearly know when it's fall. You know when it's winter. Um, you know, I, I spent a hot minute in L.A. after high school. I graduated, lived there for a year, and I was one thing. I was like, man, I can't even tell. Like, this is like Christmas, and it feels like <laughs> like any other day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and it was just, it was a really weird thing to not actually feel like the strong seasonal changes. So that's something I do like. Is winter sucks, but spring is awesome, and it's something to look forward to. Oh, that's an interesting perspective on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah keep... no rain, no rainbows. You know. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> keep that hope alive. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I, I, I think we should just right out of the gate. Um, we talked about doing that pedal thing and you had a pretty rad looking pedal. You sent me a picture of, if you want to, uh, give us a quick rundown on that thing, tell us why you like it, what it is, what it does, all that, all that fun stuff. Grab your glass, raise it up and loudly sing. Oh. Yeah, so, you know, I've been asked over the years, like, what's, like, my favorite pedals and reason why. And that, that pedal I showed you, which is, it's called, I'm going to probably totally murder this name. but <laughs> it's, it's a hard uh, one to say. <laughs> I don't oh, know. yeah, it's Pladask. Pladask Electrisk is the company. It's from Norway. Mm-hmm. And uh, Killer Company. And that pedal is the Jengengar, which is this, um, <laughs> yeah, Jengengar. And uh, it's uh, it was during um, Effects Bay days. I had a chance to try that. And that was or is a gated delay, um, oh. which I thought was interesting. I was like, okay, gated delay. You don't really hear that too often. Yeah. Um, but sounds, then it sounds has 80s. like a... Yeah. Well, the whole idea is with the gated delay, there's a threshold on when the delay kicks in. So the one oh. the first aspect I thought was cool about it is you can turn it on, you play softly, there's no delay. And, but then when you start munching on the chords, the delay starts kicking in aggressively. Um, and you can obviously dial in how aggressive, what the threshold is, how much of a mix, feedback, all that delay time, you know, so you can yeah. get it pretty wild. So it's like, it's cool if you're like playing like a verse and it's all cleanish, you know, not very interesting. And then you hit the chorus and it's like all out of control. That thing just automatically does it for you while you're not even touching the pedal. So that part was the first thing I said, okay, that's pretty cool. But the part where I use it the most is with the pedal off and you do a long press on, on the, on the, on the bypass switch, mm-hmm. just hold it down. It'll start oscillating oh. whenever you're playing. So that part is the part that's like excellent. So if you want to do like all those whale sounds and like crazy trails off of like the end of your lead, you just hold that thing and that thing will, it'll just like squirrel out of control and let go and it, you know, fades out depending on how you have it set up. Mm-hmm. Um, that thing is just an awesome, just noisemaker, um, ambient destroyer or some, something, you know? <laughs> and it's like when the, when the oscillating feedback it keeps oscillating on itself. It gets this really gnarly, like can break up. Like it's really just very glitchy sounding, mm-hmm. which sounds really interesting as well. You know, so team that up with my, you know, like with a dispatch master or another, like a reverb pedal or something like that. It sounds just crazy. And there is a send and receive on that pedal too, or send and return. Oh, um, like an effects loop type of deal. Yeah. You can do an oh, effects man. loop in there too. So on the trails, it's all affected. I don't use that. I remember messing with it and thought it was cool. It just did, it just wasn't very practical as far as pedal board routing system setup yeah. that I was running. You know, I was like, I didn't want to just burn two or one pedal just for the, you know, the loop. But if we're like a recording studio type situation, 
you know, you can come up with some crazy stuff with that thing. Yeah. Um, you may, you, you may have just sold me a pedal. I was going to say, I don't think they make that pedal anymore. I know I have oh. version one. They came up with version two, but I just went to the website today when I was going to send that to you. And it's like, I don't see it. Mm. A company's still around and they're making killer stuff, but that pedal is not there, but it doesn't mean that, you know, version three is not coming back or you can find it used or whatnot. But yeah. Scour that is readers. one of the most, that's one of the most interesting ones. Um, you know, I don't know if like, you ever play a pedal and instantly, like you're writing a riff, instantly you wrote an intro to a song or it just like, it just starts happening. You don't even really realize it. That's, that was what that pedal was for me. It was like, oh my God, I just wrote, you know, two intros and a, this cool lead. And I'm just like, just messing around with the pedal. It's very inspiring. And it has, um, it has all the, all the cool, weird stuff too. Like the, the beat coming in when you strum harder, that's a cool thing. Being able yeah. to oscillate without having the effect on all the time, that's yep. freaking rad. And then the uh, the effects loop, like, yeah, that's great, man, dude. I need to look at yeah, the company. This is not the first time I've heard of them. Um, I've heard of them yeah. before, and I just, I don't know why I don't research them more. I just, uh, I totally blinked out the guy's name too, owns it, but I mean, he's super, um, super responsive, uh, really nice guy. I just remember it was just a real joy to like, just do business with them and stuff and, um, proceed to pedal quickly and all the, all the good stuff, you know, it's like, I would definitely, uh, purchase something from them again. Yeah. And but, yeah. And it's Pladask Electrisk. Yeah. Pladask okay. Electrisk. With a K. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I first time I typed it in Google, I massacred it and it still came up first. So I was like, it, it's, right. I think if you get in the, get the Pladask or something like that, you'll probably land on it. <laughs> nice. I'm going to have to uh, dig into them a little bit more, I think. Um, yeah. Dude, that thing sounds awesome. It, oh, yeah. And it, so is it kind of like a, a digitally sounding delay? Or maybe I missed that. Maybe I was, uh... I was Googling and, and spacing when you kind of just, if you, touched on that yeah i'm sure i'm sure it's a digital delay but i mean it doesn't sound like a digital delay to me but i, I could be wrong it's okay. definitely it's definitely uh like darkish and it's it's fuzz fuzziness in the delay so oh, it's perfect. not like a, you know you know it sounds like an analog delay but i'm just guessing by the All weight the of the pedal and the size you know i'm just like ah, i'm sure it's just you know got some chips in there but it, i don't sure if it's you know like bucket brigade or anything like that in there, but, but yeah, not sure. Man. Yeah. Should have looked that up. I never know. I never, I mean, that one's me. I mean, I would, I would probably say it's got, oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I just mean like the quality yeah. to your ears, what it sounds like more than anything. Yeah. 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 It's definitely analog grainy, not pristine, oh. perfect repeats. Yeah. That's <laughs> the stuff I love. <laughs> yeah. Same. Um, I, I'm kind of like one of my favorite delays. Yeah. It, it's a, it is digital, it, but it's a analog voice, but it isn't like the modulated analog like a lot are. It is kind of like you're saying, like it kind of gets grainy and squishy and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. So that, that is right up my what alley. De what delay is that? Um, it's the Wells delay from hmm. Like My Pedals. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great pedal. Um, and he's a good dude that makes those, Joseph, so... Um, gotcha. Yeah, dude, man. I see the. Problem. I just. Yeah, go ahead. I just looked it up. So it's definitely it's got two PT two three nine nine chips. Uh, so it's analog. Wow. So it's only six hundred milliseconds is the, the max, repeat time. So. That's yeah, probably enough. Yeah, I mean, with the, I mean, I don't really care about how spread out they are. I was really just loving the, the the oscillating part of it. Yeah. You know, that feedback was that's that's where it's at. Well, I'm going to I'm going to search for them and, you know, put one of those uh searches in reverb so if one comes up it'll alert me. And nice. then I won't, you know, I'll spend money on that instead of saving for something else. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. So uh we were talking earlier and I told you, you know, we kind of we do the how you dad that bit on here and I, i'm hoping that we get a good answer out of you because you said okay. you, your kids are grown and uh um... well yeah i got one in high school one's oh, okay. out so but i mean they're both like like functional human beings so i don't have to like 
you know, wipe diapers and like drive them places and stuff. So yeah, they're just kind of, they're just kind of doing their thing. So how do, are your kids into the guitar stuff too? We'll start there. We'll just start with that. Uh, they've definitely, they're both musicians there. I have a, my son is 19 and my daughter just turned 14, but my son and daughter both have been in like school bands. So uh flute for my daughter my my son was playing clarinet and saxophone and doing all that for school so they've been all like they're super into music they're super into playing but they never really got into guitar they've dabbled into it they borrowed my guitars i've showed them stuff and mm-hmm. you know there's moments where you know my daughter was in uh rock camp for a while and oh cool uh that that was you know happening but it's like you know you never want to push into like you know, get into guitar, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm always hoping they, right now I know both of them have a guitar in their rooms. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I was, a, I was a late starting guitar myself. I mean, I was 19 or 18 when I got my first guitar too. So it's like, you know, if it happens, it happens, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is a topic that we, uh, touch on a lot on our show is just mm-hmm. that how, you know, we, we want and we want our kids to be into it too, because we're into it, but we don't want to yeah. be like, the uh, pushy football dad, you know, that makes our kid do it to where they hate it type of thing (laughs) either. So it's all, it's, you know, interesting to hear how people find that balance and different philosophies on it. Um, You know, my philosophy has always been like, I I just, I love instruments of all kinds and I just keep them laying around the house. A lot of them happen to be guitars, but they're around. So the kids can have them if they want. That's the way to do it. You know, if they want to make noise, make noise. You know, both of my kids, I always think is really interesting because like, I can't read a lick of music. I've never, I've never learned to read music. I mean, tab, but that's not music, yeah. like reading music. And, you know, both of my kids can sight read and like pick up anything and play piano and like read it and everything. And then, you know, they'll talk to me about like how, like, how do you remember your songs like you can't read music and i'm just like you just <laughs> gotta remember them and it's so weird and they look at me like wow it's like amazing and i'm like no what you're doing is amazing right. reading music i i i mean i have to do what i have to do he's literally i can't read music so yeah i have to remember every song i know how to play and i have to practice all the time to keep it it fresh in my memory that's not cool <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a real dumb way of doing it you know yeah. but uh but um yeah Huh, that's cool. So what kind of stuff do you play that that you're into? Oh, well, I mean, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, have, I haven't really, you know, during this whole pandemic thing, I've been just hyper-focused on the business. So um, literally, I like probably a week and a half ago is the first time I even played guitar mm. because it was really bumming me out because I was, uh, I was in this band uh, right before uh, – it's going to hit the fan. Remember our, our last band practice was in March and we were planning to do our first show in June, but that's a, it was a real sad shoegaze kind of like cocktail twins kind of a band project. And I was right. super excited because I was playing bass six on that. Oh, um, awesome. And then before that, for about seven, almost eight years, I was in another band called Magpies and we were doing uh we get we got constantly compared to like sonic youth so definitely like the 90s kind of shoegaze but more up tempo um just 90s indie rock kind of stuff and that was super fun to be in that band and i was just playing my like a uh, jazz master and a jaguar in that band so that's why i was really excited about this last band because i was going to play bass six yeah. and i just wanted to totally do something different we we're so into it and then when you know this whole thing happened you know, it just all stopped and I was just super bummed. And I was just like, man, I don't even want to play music right now. But like I said, just a couple of weeks ago, you know, picked one up and started writing a little song. And I was like, oh, this is fun again. But yeah. I don't know what the future is. I don't know, like, are we going to have a band practice? Is that band even still together? <laughs> I don't even I don't even know, you know. Yeah. And it just, you know, I was I was slated to be in a Nirvana tribute band for October uh playing the the pat smear part and and like you know that's gone i guess i don't i don't even know like where that's at i'm dead dad october will be rocking so yeah i mean um, I, yeah. Here, here that i just assume we're not going to do anything until sometime next year i don't know 
I don't know, you know, what the political climate is there with the uh, with the COVID, but here we are definitely we just shut, got shut down again. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so nothing happening oh. here. <laughs> Gonna have to learn how to do live concert or you know streaming concerts or something. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rough one. So what kind of bass sticks you got? Um, the one uh, I've been playing is actually one I built. It's kind of a weird story on that. Yeah. It was, uh, there's a guitar builder in town. His name's Ryan Recavina, and he, he owns Recavina Guitars. He's a he's a madman. Like he went to the Roberto Venn School of Luther Ship. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he called the <laughs> School of Guitar. I don't know what it is, but it's like you know, it's just a really great school. And I don't know, that was probably 10 years ago, maybe longer than that. So he's been on his own building guitars ever since. And he put on, he called me up one day and he goes, would you, would people or you, would you be interested if I said like, if you paid like 1500 bucks or a thousand bucks or something that you could do a class where we build the guitar straight, straight up. And then you walk away with the guitar. And I was like, yeah, sign me up. I yeah. said, but I want to do a base six. And he's like, well, I don't have a template, so I bought like some templates for the neck and the and the body. We literally just started off with two chunks of wood, you know. I got a, some of the hard rock maple and the neck, and it was uh, mahogany for the body, and we just did every step. And he basically built one in front of me, so he'd make a cut, and he's like, okay, this is what you're gonna do, and then I would make a cut behind him, and That's I awesome. worked on mine. He worked on his. Took about six months. Um, it was it was an amazing experience. It was probably sixty hours in that, probably yeah. probably more than that. But all I knew when I when I finished the class was like I never want to make guitars again. It was way too stressful. <laughs> way too um, stressful. Too stressful, man. I had like like uh, like stress dreams about it. Really? Like, you know, for example, like I remember we put nine hours in the neck, so we shaped the neck and put the fingerboard on, slotted the frets, and you know it's all done. Drilled the holes for the tuners you know, truss rods in there. And then it comes to, okay, we're going to do the, the dot inlays. Mm. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like with the drill press, I'm measuring. I'm, I'm like, like, you know, just double checking, triple checking. He looks at me and goes, I've never seen anybody spend so much time drilling dots <laughs> on the thing. And I'm like, dude, I just spent nine hours on this neck. One of my dots is going to be a little bit off. I'm going to be super bummed out. Yeah. And, um, and it's like, that was like that with every step. Like the first cuts when it's just two blank sheets of wood, it's fun. But when it's like, after you sanded it and then he's like, oh, we're going to do the belly carve. I'm like, oh man, are you kidding me? Like, you got to cut it like this on the bandsaw and just right, you know, <laughs> I'm like, you mess that up. It's start all over again. Like, let's get, let's get some yeah. more wood for the body and let's do it again. You know? Yeah. So that was the part where I was like, uncomfortable with you know it was just like driving a car for the first time and i was just like oh man <laughs> and you know but i mean i i understand like with the experience if you do it a hundred times it's like he, he knows how to fix the little flubs and all that so it was no big deal for him but for me it was just like man i just didn't want to mess up but anyway that's the guitar the basics you know and it was awesome i you know picked all i remember I had like curtis novak pickups in it put a mastery bridge on it yeah um yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's an awesome base six. Rad. Um, that base six is on my list eventually to own. I've, I oh yeah. I I stepped up to a baritone for mm -hmm. uh, so I have a baritone, but I still need to get the base six in the collection. <clears throat> well, I, mean, I played. Um, I I always wanted. I've had two baritones in my life. I've sold them both. I still actually ha actually have one more, so three. So. But I always got really frustrated at practice with those because when, when you played in your basement or whatever and you come up with a cool song or riff or whatever, it's like cool. But then it's like I always hated the subconscious peripheral vision where I might be playing an E, but that's actually an A for you. And it's like mm -hmm. you're doing those like transcription or oh, is this the baritone and B? OK, so that must be a G that I'm playing. Yeah, I just hated that. And it's like. Along. Yeah, and it's like they're messing up or I'm messing up, and we're just trying to figure out like how to how to make it work. Mm -hmm. um, where you know the base six is a uh, standard one octave low, so it's just really easy to just jump right into a band and bring that in, and you're just like just playing along. You just you know you're just an octave lower. Yeah, it's awesome. Chord shapes are the same. 
Court sheets are the same. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I completely got caught off track, but let's say that you were at uh, the grocery store with your son when he's, let's say, three. Three seems about the right age for this. And uh, you're on the chip aisle. And, uh, you know, you're distracted. You're trying to decide between your uh, Tostitos and your Fritos. And you, you look to your left, and there's your son out of the cart. And he had to go pee. So he is peeing on the Doritos. Well, What are you going to do? And this is actually a real-life scenario that came from uh, one, of our, <laughs> one of our good buddies on the podcast here. So this happened to him. <laughs> so what, what are you going to do, Hank? How you well, dad I mean, that? I've had pee situations similar to that, but actually not on products. That definitely is tricky. Do I have a shopping cart? You do. All right. So I'd block off the, I would block off the, the Doritos with the shopping cart. And then I would immediately pick up my kid and then run to uh, someone working there and then report the incident and then see how I can help clean this whole disaster up. Oh, man, you are a better man than I. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just get to pick up the kid part and then like <laughs> leave? Or Yeah, put the kid in the cart and hurry on out of there. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would probably also find someone to clean it up uh but yeah Yeah, i I like to think that i would just run but (laughs) yeah i had uh i I don't remember how this ended but my wife had a situation with my like one of them where they were like having a a temper tantrum in the checkout line and ended up then having peed their pants kind of a situation Mm -hmm. and i'm not quite sure how that got addressed but i just remember that was that was a nightmare thing but you know yeah. I mean, it's the thing about kids and parents and, you know, other parents. It's like there's there's definitely that sympathy tribe mentality where, you know, something weird happens like that. I never felt like people would look at me and go, I can't believe your kid. I always felt like when when things were like melting down like that, you definitely can get help and like, oh, you know, that kind of thing. And and address it, you know, and I'm sure that experience is different for everybody, but that's, that's how I, you know, I always felt like, you know, I mean, if I saw that happen, I'd be like, let's go figure out and get a mop or something. And like, yeah, let's throw try these and Doritos out. out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Ah, the Doritos are still good. I mean, the bag's closed. <laughs> they are wash sealed. Them off, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want them, but they're still good technically. <laughs> no. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we've had plenty of blowouts, like diaper blowouts in our in our oh, yeah. uh, life with our kids, but yeah, never never had one purposely like whip it out and start peeing on something. Yeah, yet, that's so. that's pretty wild. That's bold move. Yeah. Yeah, it's brave. <laughs> it's brave. Um, yeah. But, How old are your kids? Are your kids pretty young? Uh, are they... 8, 5 and 3. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So Welcome I, to Thunderdome, yeah. Yeah, in the thick of it, as I yeah. often hear from people. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah, but, that's that's in there. Yeah, yeah it, it's, the saying goes, you know, it's, uh, the days are long, but the years are short, so. Oh, yeah, yep. You know, the thing I wish uh, people told me, I would always have people constantly tell me, like, oh, enjoy, because it's going to fly by, and, and uh, you know, every moment, but I wish people had told me, um, that it's exponential. Mm. So when, when, when I look back at three, five and eight, like your age, you know, I remember those and they, they did, they get, they went by quick, but man, like middle school and high school, it's like, buckle up. They're gone. Like it's, it's like a roller coaster and it's like, wow, you just can't, you can't pump the brakes at all. And before you know it, because, you know, they're they're getting in cars and they're leaving and they're hanging out with their friends and you're just like, you know, really out of your picture, out of the picture pretty quick. Yeah. And I was really surprised by how fast that transition is versus like, you know, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, you know, it just seemed like just, you know, just like a normal speed. But when you hit those, when you hit those ages, it definitely picks up speed real fast. Yeah, I imagine. So, I mean, yeah, even just the little window of time that I, I've seen between my between my three year old and my eight year old, it's like, man, uh, my my three year old is he's really getting into his own groove and personality more than ever. And then, but I look at my eight year old, I'm like, man, he's 
he's a this is who he is forever but i know that that's going to change like every six months like yeah for the next 10 years or more 10 years or more so yeah it's it's a crazy thing watching kids grow up amazed by it all the time all the time yeah and throw the pandemic in there and it's even a little little bit more intense you know like yeah schools like what that's going to be like yeah it's just it's crazy time crazy time it is um well let's uh talk about rattlesnake a little bit um i know that like is it safe to say your flagship cable is the snakehead right uh yeah it's hard to say like which one would be the flagship i mean i mean they're both they're both the same cable mm-hmm. uh it's just you know just a different stylistic angle on it you know what i mean yeah. so you know i would say we sell more standards than snakeheads so probably okay. standard is our, our main one um i would say snakeheads more interesting but you know <laughs> uh the standards that that's that's definitely the workhorse for sure yeah well i mean let's uh let's dig in a little bit on like i don't know philosophy behind what you do i mean so i i grew up a punk rock kid and yeah. i would just buy the cheapest cables i could and i'd buy a bunch of them cuz i always expected them to break and we'd yep. just move on from there um until <laughs> until i started having kids and wasn't playing in bands as much and had extra time and money and started buying nicer things and so now i'm a little more in tune with like having a nice cable and you know there's a lot of different preferences out there and i think a lot of it has to do with me this is is me personally i think it has to do with likability and a company's philosophy on how on how they build and why they build it the way they do so i mean kind of where what's your philosophy what angle are you coming at this with well i mean i definitely went through the same same journey as you as far as like punk rock kid and you know i was just looking at cables it's just uh you know it's just like putting batteries into something you know yeah, it's like exactly. it, it, it didn't matter and until you know it was probably the the mid to late 90s i was gifted uh was a demarzio i can't remember what kind of cable it was but it, you know i had the the nylon fabric on it and had i remember it was neutric plugs on it and it was the first quality cable I ever had and I, I remember all I was focusing on was the durability of it like right. I didn't feel like it sounded any different but the durability was like a big a big impact and then uh I had played that cable for many years and then I got into electronics and pedal building I was really into pedals there for a while and uh, working on pedals for friends and then I had uh, an idea of like doing some research on cables and thought it'd be cool to get some cables. And um, I was experimenting with a few cable brands and then making a cable for myself. I couldn't believe now, now I I understood the concept of capacitance Mm -hmm. and that's where I was like blown away by like the tone of it. Suddenly it was like, okay, I like the idea of durability, but I, I was really impressed with, you know, I plugged in this cable and it felt like I took a carpet off my app. And I was just like, why is that happening like that drastically? And, you know, started getting into that. And then from there, I thought it might be fun to, to start the business. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do is have, um, uh, you know, like I wanted the idea of like U.S. milled cable. And then the idea of growing the business and seeing if we could you know, employ people here in Missoula because uh, like if, if I explain this right, like Montana, I always, I've always really been irritated with Montana's like economic structure. It's, it's basically, it's a import state. So if you want anything cool, you got to buy it and bring it in. And when people come and, and provide money to the state, it's basically based off tourism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all fine. I mean, I love all, all aspects of that, but I was just like, I wanted to have something where people could buy something. And then we were like exporting this item outside the state, bringing in money and, you know, suddenly put Montana on the map as far as like a, 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 you know, a state where there's cool builders in it. Because when I look at like, you know, Washington and Oregon and New York, and it's just like, God, these guys got cool pedal builders. They got cool guitar builders, California, you know? I was like, how come Montana can't be that? There's no, there's no one here that's doing that. 
And but there are. That's the thing. You know, it's like you start digging around and it's like, you know, I know this guy makes ride pedals in Bozeman. And it's like I just talked about Ruckavina and makes these cool guitars in Missoula. Um, you know, it's like I, I wanted to kind of rally that idea of like, oh, maybe we can do something here. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's where the, the business kind of spawned. And it, it ran as a hobby for a long time. Um, just, you know, for a good few years. And then about four years ago, maybe five years ago is when we really decided, like, let's double down. And um, I was uh, beginning to, you know, make this a full time gig f- for me. And at this yeah. time we had we had some employees that were part time. Um, and then, you know, we just started doing more business and, and doing better and better. And that's like when, you know, we were at NAM in 2020. Yeah. Um, and that was our first, you know, time exhibiting in NAM. And it was, it was like, awesome. It was a great booth, by the way. It was Thanks. set yeah. up really well. I liked it. I liked the vibe. The whole vibe was cool. And I liked the uh, the aprons. Those were awesome. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, it's like, ever someone's like, oh, it's like, great, you guys have costumes. I'm like, no, these, I, I, we literally wear these at work. Like, these are these are our work aprons. Yeah, that's what I know? figured. Yeah, they, they didn't look like <laughs> they were just uh, made up for yeah. the show. Yeah. They, they looked like they were worn in. Yeah. You know, it's like, so it was cool uh, to do that. And, you know, the, the future is super bright and I'm hoping that, you know, we can just keep doing what we're doing. And, you know, during this whole pandemic thing, we were able to keep the lights on. I mean, it was definitely scary there for a while where, you know, we were doing, you know, we used to do dealer orders and it seemed like, you know, every couple three days we'd be sending dealer orders out. And then it's like end of March, it just, completely stopped yeah. and uh you know we just you know focused on our website and we, you know we've developed a really great community and there there are people buying cables that did not even need cables that were just being cool and uh that's awesome you know the community the rattlesnake community is like is pretty amazing for sure and um yeah so but now you know guitar stores are opening up even though the situation is potentially going to get bad again don't know but um, it seems like business is better. It's just, you know, how, what, you know, what's the next three months going to be like, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. But, well, yeah. Um, do you do, is there a lot of online retailers that you work with also, or is it, or is the online stuff mostly direct through your site? Yeah. I mean, uh, almost all the retailers that we deal with, you know, either have like a reverb store too. So, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like, you know, for the most part, it, you know, they could do that. But, you know, the reason why we wanted to get retailers is really that, you know, because, you know, you have one retailer will say like, well, how can we compete with the, the other retailer that sells them? And I'm like, well, we don't, we didn't want you to be a retailer so we can all compete in the online role. This, the fact that you have a cool store where people are walking in, mm-hmm. no one can compete with you selling a cable or a product. And it's like, you know, the last, I don't know if you've noticed, but I have in the last couple of years, I feel like guitar stores have been kind of like on a little bit of an upswing where it was such a drastic move to go online a few years ago and everyone's buying stuff. I mean, I'm starting to hear guitar stores where people are starting to hang out, you know, yeah. kind of the way it used to be like, you know, go play guitars and like check stuff out. You know, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be people that are always looking for a cheaper price, but you know, it's, there's a lot of loyalty to your neighborhood guitar store and it's like, Oh yeah. There's something to say to walk in and like, Oh, this is cool. I'm just going to buy this, you know? And it's like, that's what I really want the retailer for. It's like, you know, I want, I want to get cables in front of people. Yeah. I mean, at NAM, it was like, it was like the really obvious thing where there were so many people come in the booth. And the first thing they do is touch a cable. They would hold the cable. They lift it up. They look at it. They put it. I'm like, that's what you can't do that online. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, yeah, and that's and that I mean, for me, the first time I experienced touching like the Weave or TechFlex or whatever mm-hmm. it, it is, it, it was um, it was just shocking. I'm like, whoa, this is this is weird. This is different. I don't. It like took me yeah. a minute to wrap my brain around it, and, but you know, you don't realize it just looking at it, and you got to touch it, you got to feel it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like you know our cable too is on this on the on the thicker side too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like. That's the other thing when you look at online, it could look like any other cable, but you know, when, when we look at like, you know, the size of the cable to, you know, to work on the cable capacitance or like, I want to make sure there's a beefy conductor in the middle of it. 
you know, those are things that when you hold up the cable, you're like, oh, this is substantial. This actually has weight to it. And this is like a, you know, I feel like, you know, you're going to sit there. It's going to hold up for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Back you know? to that resilience thing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like when you're talking about like, you know, the, the buying the cheapest cable punk rock days, you know, Montana, you know, I all everyone in like the scene that I'm a part of here in Missoula particularly, but, you know, definitely Montana and Western Montana. You know, people don't have money to spend on that stuff. Yeah. And um, I would never try to, you know, sling cables to those people either. I didn't want to be like, oh, there's the band with the guy that's trying to sell you cables all day. So I never <laughs> would say anything. And people would come up to me and go, wow, this cable's awesome. They don't even know who I am. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I can I can get you one if you're interested. And then, then I would tell them, you know. And that's where it started, like, I started noticing a shift to that. Suddenly, you know, people did care about their cables a little bit more than they used to. And uh, um, that was a cool thing, too. You know, I mean, I, I think I think people are starting to realize that when you're buying gear from a guitar to an amp, you know, it's nice to, like, start chipping at the weak links. Mm-hmm. Like, get your better patch cables. Maybe that one buggy pedal. Maybe it's time to replace it. And, you know, let's get a better cab or... I mean, it's the it's the gear journey that everyone goes through, and, th- and there's a point where, even like the, the the you know the high school punk rock kid definitely one day wants to upgrade his amp or wants to upgrade the guitar, yep. and you know maybe the cable is a factor now, you know where maybe it's not so much, and you know back a long time ago there I never really felt like, you know when I'm going back you know 20 years ago I didn't really feel like there was a whole lot of options for cables you didn't really think of like oh I'll just get this boss cable or this fender cable yeah. or you know whatever you didn't even really think about it well now I mean there 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 are quite a few cable companies out there and there there are choices yeah and so uh, along that lines you know I I've I have noticed since since I stopped just destroying cables and um you know, seeing them as like something that you just consume like batteries. Um, I've noticed that I actually prefer certain cables for certain applications, which is yep. like kind of weird and makes me feel snooty. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I have, I have a cable that I love for bass and oh, yeah. because there's just a certain way that it rolls off certain frequencies in the high end that makes my bass sound more pleasant to me. I don't, yep. I don't know why. Um, I'm sure it has something to do with capacitance and maybe even the connectors. I, I, I don't know, but I, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a weird thing. And, but you know, I mean, it's, it, it is what it is. It, it, they do have an effect in the, on your sound and feel like it, your amp and your pedals are going to respond to frequencies, right? Yep. That's what they do. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a capacitance issue. I mean, once you get past the durability, like how how are those connectors going to be, you know, like maintained over the years and how's how's the internal conductor going to hold up over the years by stepping on it and twisting it and everything? Mm-hmm. Then you're just left with <clears throat> the capacitance for the, t- the tone, you know? I mean, that's why, you know, some guys love like a coil of cable because it's suddenly it's like 35 feet of cable. You know, you're yeah. adding capacitance you know strat guys suddenly like their coily cable because their strats are so bright that's like oh it made it less bright you know what i mean yeah or you know someone wants to go with a 10-foot cable because they want that massive you know or not massive but they want more high-end preserved you know so it's a crispier crispier deal you know yeah. so it's like when we when we designed our cable i wanted to hit 20 to 25 pf picofarads per foot but i wanted to hit it those numbers that a lot of people don't talk about is when they say our cables 20 pf well at what length because the length varies the capacitance right so it's like a it's a twofold thing so um you know is it 20 pf at five foot but at 15 it's 30 pf you know so i wanted to make sure you know our standard and snakehead instrument cable was 20 to 25 pf at 15 feet so that's the preferred length that I like mm-hmm. to play with. And that's, a, that's also the, the most popular length we sell. Okay. And um, I also like that 20 to 25 PF where it's not too bright, but it's bright, you know, mm-hmm. it's not brittle, um, but it gives you that range. So if you go 10 foot, you know, maybe it's 18 to 21 PF or 23 PF or something. So 
they can give you that range. So when you go up to 20 feet, it's a little, you know, it might be 22 PF to 27 PF. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I'll talk to some people when they buy uh, from us and they'll contact and they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll get super nerdy and they'll be like, yeah, so we want it to be like kind of on the high end, but what's the, what's the longest length to, to preserve the most high end frequency. And I want it bright as possible. And I'd be like, that's 10 feet. You know, if you want, you know, 15 feet is going to be good, but if you want the highest, brightest point, the lowest capacitance with the longest range, I'd go 10 feet. But, you know, and then, you know, other guys will be want like a 50 foot cable. And I'm like, you know what that means? You better get a buffer. You're going to lose some high end. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you you're sure you know what you're doing there, you know? So, um, but, you know, it's, it's definitely you're you're right on the money with the you know different cable for a base and um you know and you're right about the plugs too i mean there definitely is a there's a feel yeah for the plugs too you know yeah so you you i think you said a couple times that you get your cable or you get your wire milled or your cable milled um, yeah we have so is that like a, have, a specialty thing that you guys are using yeah so what we do is we have three wire mills in the u.s um, we send them a drawing and then we order like 50, you know, to a hundred thousand feet of it per year, depending on where build cycles are. Mm -hmm. So we have our speaker cable, our XLR cable, our flex patch and our instrument cables all milled. So that gets all shipped up to Montana at that point. And then, um, yeah. So it's not like a third party kind of like that's that's situation cool. so yeah it's like, not yeah. like you're using like a mogami or yeah xpe or whatever you're doing you got your own that's that's pretty cool i think that's the first i've heard of that oh i mean there's lots of people that do that yeah. i mean anybody that's you know anybody that's building their their own cable for the most part like from you know from the ground up is going to be doing that okay you know there's a there's a lot of people that don't i mean there's a lot of people that are you know they're going to be using um other brands of cable and they're like basically assembling a cable yeah um to spec um that too you know yeah that's cool but yeah we wanted to make sure that it was just like we wanted to just have our own own cable uh sauce i guess recipe yeah that's cool so you got like your own spec on it and everything <clears throat> yeah that's why it gets a little complicated when you know when people will be like hey can we get a like a you know, like a coil cable that's on our list. It was, you know, it's on our list for 2020 and it's still on there, but it, you know, we were supposed to get it manufactured now, but we held back obviously with all this crap going on. Yeah. But I mean, the concept of like, we just can't spin up a coil cable, you know, it's like, okay, we got to buy like a lot of it and we have to have, you know, uh, working capital to pay for that. And right. hopefully people will buy that. And, you know, <laughs> um, so those are those are the those are the risky moves where it's like okay every time we've introduced a new cable it's always been um you know when when we first you know we did our instrument cable our first cable after that was our patch cable and then it was the speaker cable and those are like to me like okay those are easy we know people will buy those but you yeah. know coily cable i mean we get asked that a lot you know like midi cables you know, all that. And we're like, ah, I don't know how much MIDI cable, you know, we're going to buy, you know, we're going to sell 50,000 feet of MIDI cable. And how long will that take? You know, right. I don't know. But those are like, those are the decisions where it's a little, little harder to figure out like how we want to do it. Because we definitely like the fact that we have our cable mills here mm -hmm. in the U S and, you know, we work with the three providers too, because sometimes, you know, one mill might not be able to get the copper, and we can fall back to another mill yeah. and, you know, see if they have the copper available. It's like, you know, now you're dealing with commodities and like shortages mm -hmm. and, you know, fluctuating metal costs and it's like yeah. all sorts of stuff. It's just, it's, it's challenge, but. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm actually an electrician for my day job and oh, nice. uh, do a lot of government contracts, which, you know, a lot of government contracts are uh, by American contracts. And so yeah. I understand the uh, wire sourcing there <laughs> fluctuate <Yeah>. costs and, <laughs> yeah. and sources and then everything yeah. has to, yeah, everything has to be inspected and tagged by the state constantly. So, yep. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's cool. Well, I, 
I like the idea of that that being milled. I like that it's your own spec. That's cool. Um, I'm sure other people do it, but I, I I actually haven't heard that before for you know guitar stuff. So that's that's new to me. I like it. Oh, <laughs> well, um, I'm just gonna wrap it up here. I think we cool. uh, kind of hit everything. Uh, is there anything special you want to say about rattlesnakes? Shoot, you know, send people anywhere in particular or. Uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, you guys are interested in, in Rattlesnake, de- definitely check us out at rattlesnakecables.com. Um, you can see what we got going on at um, our Instagram and Facebook, which is just uh, Instagram, Instagram.com slash rattlesnakecables. And same thing for Facebook. Um, do try to post uh, fairly often. And um, yeah, and if you have any questions, feel free to contact me through the website or send me a DM through Instagram or whatever all, all sorts of ways to get a hold of me awesome man I, I appreciate it hank this is this is fun and we are gonna do like uh like a month of special interview stuff like this so uh, you get to be the first one sweet <laughs> experiment on you appreciate it <laughs> all right thanks hank cool